timeless word of God. No matter what time it is. The Way. 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology. Wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Panera Bread is getting ready to eat out of the palm of your hand. Are banks around the world getting ready for another handout? Pastor Mark will tell New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft why it is happening here. And a whole lot of questions will have the Bible answer for us as we look at the signs of the times. Our weekly review of just some of the Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, March 31st, 2023. Signs of the Times is a weekly broadcast and podcast sponsored in part by Bob Johnson Insurance, a full-service independent agent featuring Erie Insurance products from your home to the nursing home and everything in between. For more information, you can contact the good people at Bob Johnson Insurance at 865-922-3111 or online at bobjohnsonins.com. And you can hit us up with your prophecy question, read the articles that we talk about, or watch previous episodes by going to the Signs of the Times section of thewaymedia.net. And now, here to tell us why we can drink a drink, but we can't food a food, is Pastor Mark, who one summer had a job as a lifeguard. It didn't go so well, though, because as he looked over the water, he said, yes, I see that hand. Is there another? that i like okay. that that was good you you okay. missed my laugh i know you well, missed because, my laugh because we've had these technical problems well, so i had your mic off because i didn't know if yes. you wanted to keep coughing no or i got what it was... well, what's funny is and the people need to know out there if you hear me call for whatever usually i mute those but I, I mean, i'll try uh, pushing both buttons i pushed yes. the silence on the one i'm plugged into and it didn't work so i'm going to push both buttons at the same time i think i can multitask we'll see if that works if it doesn't just tell me i won't cough i won't clear my throat and so it is what it is but that was funny <laughs> i see that hand there, yeah. no would you change your mind somebody go get that guy so they're sinking they're going yeah. under well the first thing i thought of when i heard the joke i thought you know it's like does anyone want to give their life to the lord yes i see that hand is there another one you know that's where my mind went that's, that's with that good. with no, that that's, joke that's good um i don't know if this is good news or bad news uh depending on your side of the coin regarding this, but on this day in 1918, the Standard Time Act was signed into law, making daylight savings time official. Yeah. As a result, there were more daylight hours, which reduced energy costs. The five time zones that we know today were also created by this law. Now, the five time zones, I go along with, but this whole changing of ours every year, I yeah, mean, I just, I'm, whatever it saves or doesn't save, I don't like it. I wish you'd just stay put, leave it alone. I'm yes. tired of falling forward, spring it back, falling forward. I mean, I keep hitting my head. So I just wish they'd sit still, <laughs> let it go, and just stop it anyway. That'll preach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll preach. Anyway, we've got lots of great things to get yes. to today, and we thank you guys for joining us, whether you're listening live, online, or later on is podcast number 257. All right. Uh, we have uh, no Israel news today, which is kind of interesting, uh, and no Ezekiel 38 Oh, you want to know what? Oh, yes. I am so sorry because I did not have my thing. Well, let's. You want to know what? Let's just go ahead and let's just do this article, and then we'll do the other. Uh, since I've already played the music, and it's too late to reverse everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. j- just because. Just because Once the music we got is gra- the graphics played on the video, there the whole it is. thing. It's we're, uh, let's, we're, people we're committed. There'll be mutiny. We're committed. All right. This is from NPR. Panera will offer Amazon One Palm Scanner as a payment method. And I like that, Greg. I like that they'll be eating out of the palm of your hand. That you was like very, that? That was very creative. Thank you. That was that. You know that'll. 
It, I don't know where I can't say that'll preach, but uh, either way, the oh, palm, the palm, but it will reach. Yes, that's right. The palm reader will, again, but will not be available until your fortune. It says, but it will figure out if you are part of Panera's loyalty program. It might not be just Panera's loyalty program you're a part of. Yeah, it's that's take right. All the information for uh, worldwide, but over the next few months. The bakery cafe chain will roll out scanners that can access customers' credit card and loyalty account using their palm. The biometric gathering technology developed by Amazon and called Amazon One is already popular in airports, stadiums, and Whole Foods market grocery stores. Panera is expected to become the first national restaurant company to use it. In 2021, a group of U.S. senators questioned Amazon's data collection uh, because of the uh, specifically whether biometric data is being used for advertising and tracking. So, yes, of course it is. Now, here's the thing. This record goes right in line with Revelation 13. We see the stage being set for the mark of the beast, uh, getting information by DNA, getting information by palm, getting information by iris scan, whatever. This is just a part of this overall spirit of Antichrist moving us toward uh, the mark of the beast in, in, in not just gathering information. They will be gathering information about us by this if you go to Panera. But it's, it's more than that. It's gathering information literally about your body. Your body can be traced, but just like, look, your palm can be traced just like your fingerprints or anything else. And so, again, I just see this, Greg, as a furtherance of what's going to be happening uh, in the last days, watching it happen on all levels. Uh, it's just, um, and we're watching it take place. Well, I also think it's also an issue of conditioning for acceptance. If If you can get people conditioned to use a part of their body to gain access or to purchase then what's the difference at that point for someone who's already used to that? Right. Whether it's the palm of their hand or the chip in their hand. Right. I yeah, mean, you're right. No, it, it's it's once once you're doing it, you say, okay, does not matter to me? Yeah, Scan whatever. Exactly. Uh, and and so yeah, I mean, this just furthers down the road of where we're going toward yeah. this uh, mark of the beast. And so it's just interesting to watch it happen. And what amazes me, Greg, you know. I know that believers know this stuff is happening, but you know the world, they know enough of the Bible. Even if I was unsaved, I guess I wouldn't, and the Bible says they'll be blind. But I would think I would start going, wait a minute. Okay, I don't really believe all that Christian stuff, but exactly what the Bible says is going to happen and what they've been preaching all these years, we're starting to do it, so maybe we should pay a little bit of attention. But it's amazing. The Bible says they'll, they'll still be blind in the last yeah. days. They'll remain blind to all this when it's so obvious to see. Shocking to me. Yeah, it is. Uh, but we are we are blessed to be able to see. Amen. Uh, That's right. Before we get into our next article, and uh, this is my bad as the host of the show, and this will be reflected in my annual performance review. <laughs> uh, I forgot that we have an elephant in the room to talk about, yeah. and that is the shootings uh, or at, at the uh, Christian school, yeah, whatever in school Nashville. in, yes. in Nashville. Covenant, so yeah, Covenant Presbyterian yes. there in Nashville, Tennessee. First of all, just to say, you know, I mean, obviously everybody's heart. Uh, well, you hope everybody's heart goes out. Most people's hearts do. Obviously, there's some that don't by the response we've seen in certain corners of the nation. But the bottom line is it was horrific. It was terrible. And you think about these children and just the impact that it has on them and their life, you know, just uh, I can't even imagine the trauma and what you'd have to deal with going through something like that. But obviously, the three children that uh, lost their lives, the three adults that lost their lives. And I know that God's in control of all things. Look, we don't understand everything. And we see this as a horrific way for all these uh, 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 you know, precious people to uh, have their lives ended. But this is the hope of the Christian. We know that, um, again, those who know the Lord are going to be right in glory. And so uh, that's, that's a great consolation long-term. Right now there's the suffering and the sorrow. But long-term we know that they're in glory. They're not suffering. They're, they're uh, uh, you know, enjoying life much better than we are at this point. I'm not justifying it or somehow lessening what happened. But my point is God's in control. And Greg, you know, one of the things, so our heart goes out and just broken for them. I have a friend in Nashville who um, is connected to that school and said that one of the uh, adults that died, uh, one of the teachers, was actually a substitute teacher that had been there for 10 minutes, just filling in that day for a teacher, had walked in the door and 10 minutes later got shot and was killed. And I think about how does that family, how do they process that? You, you, the whole time you're going. There's a lot there. Well, think yeah. about it. Yeah, like how do I handle this? If we'd have talked to him 10 more minutes, if we could have just called him, if we hadn't let him go, if she hadn't done that day. And, and this is where we have to trust God's sovereignty. God didn't kill them. So don't misunderstand me when I say that. But we have to trust God's sovereignty that every one of us have an appointed day. And it's going to be different ways that we enter into the kingdom. And and so this is where we just love each other. We pray for each other. We know the hope that we have. And so we rejoice that they're in the kingdom. 
Um, and, and again, evil doesn't win ultimately, you know, the Lord does right. and righteousness. But with that said, and our, and our heart and condolences going toward those families and, and, and people, all the people of Nashville connected to that and really those that are affected emotionally in every other way. I wanted just to mention very briefly about, um, you know, the person that did it and, and, and think of you know, just, this may be the beginning of some more of these type of things. I know we've had them in the past. But I wonder if they're not going to begin to increase even more. And let me explain why. Of course, we know the Bible says violence will increase in the last days. But with a lot of those that are transgender or they're trying to change their genders or whatever, there's a lot of um, gene therapy going on, a lot of hormone therapy, a lot of things they take or whatever, a lot of testosterone. Now, we don't know whether or not this particular lady was on testosterone or not. She was trying to become a man uh, and, and was doing all the treatments or whatever is my understanding, or at least doing this whole transition thing was her goal. I don't know how far down the line she was, if she was actually doing that or not, but here, it, whether she was or not, it really got me thinking. We now know from studies that testosterone increases aggressiveness. And that's why men are typically more aggressive than women. Now, God's built us in a way where there's no excuse. Sin is sin. And so it doesn't mean that we're going to be like, you know, evil because we're a man. Uh, although some women may think that. Um, but we are going to be a little bit more aggressive and need be uh you talk about wars battle protecting our family men need to have a little bit more of an edge so that if something happens where you've got to kick into gear you can kick into gear right and so there's a there's a built-in factor of strength that comes with testosterone and again uh with high levels of testosterone where there's not a a high level of self-control you oftentimes see men that are more aggressive no excuse for that but that oftentimes is what's going on what happens when you take these women who don't naturally have that and you start infusing them with this testosterone to make them more like a man, their body's not created for it. They're created for estrogen and a certain level, a small level of testosterone. And without going too long, my point is, physiologically, this has nothing to do with politics or your views on, on, on male or female, just from a physiological standpoint. We can pretty much guarantee that women are going to become more aggressive that go on these testosterone um, uh, treatments. So my point is we may be seeing if there's a greater and greater push. Now, for the men, it won't be as much. You'll see them go the other way. They're going to be trying to lower their testosterone, uh, maybe even increase the estrogen. So you'll see the men who, who go this direction becoming probably less threatening. But you're going to see the women who try to really become a man introducing this testosterone. They're going to become more aggressive. Um, and, and, and not just because they're becoming more manlike, so to speak, just aggressive because of the result of what testosterone does. So I'll be anxious to find out whether or not that was a player in this, but here's my point. As much as we're pushing this nationwide right now, it wouldn't surprise me over the years to see more female physical type attacks in the, in the trans community or those that are trying to transition. Because when you introduce, you're basically introducing a drug that makes you more aggressive to a body that's not supposed to be receiving it. And then what happens is you're going to have the results of, I think, more aggression. I'm not saying that's across the board, but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me to see, to start recognizing now you're going to see maybe, I mean, how many women do you know are, are mass shooters? I can't think of any. I'm sure there are, but I can't think of one school shooting that was a girl until now. And and so I'm I'm just saying keep your eyes open. We may start seeing more aggression from women who are in these treatments, if you will, because whenever you introduce something that your body's not supposed to have, and especially at levels you weren't designed to take, because that's not how God designed it. God's designed a man's body to handle that. He hadn't designed a woman. You're going to see probably some greater and greater aggression, and maybe even things that go violent. So. I'm not, I don't look, I don't want to give some kind of prediction. I'm just saying this is something that are signs of the times listeners keep your eyes open to this because now what we've done is we're messing with human DNA and biology. We're introducing things that God didn't intend for women to have in their bodies to these levels. And it's going to have some impact. And I, and we do know now from studies, greater aggressiveness is one of those. So again, it may, she may have been, it may have been nothing to do with her. Okay. We may find that out, but I'm saying it got me thinking, you know what? We may start seeing women becoming more involved in violent acts now because of the introduction in that particular uh, uh, people group that are trying to transition because of the, the, uh, the what testosterone does to a body, especially one not designed to handle it. All right, let's talk about the verbal aggression and the aftermath of all of this. Okay. Um, we know that the Bible tells us that because we're followers of Christ and because of the spiritual battle that we're in, uh, we will be hated by virtue of the relationship that we have with Jesus. Right. However, that there is a, a wrong way and a right way to respond right. to, a, a, to a 
verbal attacks. And what would you say would be the best way to respond to that? Because a lot of times um, it is it is put upon the Christian that it's your views, like the views that you hold. And really, at the end of the day, they, they aren't my views. Yeah. They're, not, they're his views. That's right. It's what the Bible talks about. So I don't know, Pastor Mark, if you can articulate in terms of this particular issue, what the Bible says, or, you know, in some way that we you can you can coach or educate people that are listening on how you can use God's word and what God says, not what our opinions are, to address this issue. And also when it says, and I think as it First Peter three fifteen to be able to be ready to share the truth, but you yeah, know, hope in meekness and us. hope that's within us in meekness and in, in fear. That's right. Uh, so not not in a, in a condemning way, right? But in a loving way, but yet still stand for the truth. I'm not quite sure what you're asking, Rick. I know that sounds funny. I mean, you'd be talking about as far as if people attack us verbally. Well, well a lot of people, will, a lot exactly? of people will respond with. What they think they'll just they'll just come around and say like that's evil or that's this because okay. of what happened you mean exactly exactly yeah okay okay but instead of saying that's evil God says in blah 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 that yeah. ding 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 yeah not what my opinion is because right. the 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 battle needs to go vertical right I see what you're not saying. horizontal yeah there's nothing wrong in saying it's evil because it was but then again telling why it's evil exactly you know, the, the Bible yes. says that's evil because murder is evil. Uh, so that was an evil act. It's easy to say, look, that was biblically, that was an evil act because murder is evil. Um, and you know, as far as it, when I think about responding to, and this may not have been part of your question, but as far as responding to people, you know, I've just been reminded here yesterday, even today, and more so today with some things that happened. You know, our job as believers is, is when they curse, we're to bless, you know, don't curse back that we're, we're, we're to do our best to, you speak the truth, but you speak it in love and you show the grace of God. And, um, and, and, you know, I was, uh, this, this trial that I, I, I did not follow the trial, but I read the news prepping for today. And I know that Gwyneth Paltrow had some guy accused her of a ski accident or whatever, and they found her innocent. I don't know anything about her. I, I, I don't know if she's, I, I know nothing about her as a person, really. I've heard rumors, but I wouldn't say because I don't know. But she did something very interesting to me because she certainly not, doesn't profess to be a believer. And I don't think that she is. But she walked up to him after all this. I mean, he, he drags her into court. He does all this. Mess. He tries to sue her, and it finds out that it's all a lie. And, of course, it's thrown out of court. She walked up afterwards and said, I wish you well. And then she left the courtroom. I thought, that's pretty gracious. Um, you know, your, your reaction would be, is that's what you get, buddy? Or why are you doing this? Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Especially the world. Right. So I think when it comes to these things where there's just kind of ugly, even verbal assaults that can come, like you Christians, you this, you that, a lot of times it's best to remain silent. And then if we can't say anything, just again, quoting the word of God, you know, God's word says this, and that's where I stand. I had a conversation with someone recently and they were like, you know, well, your opinion, your opinion. I said, look, none of this is my opinion. None of it. I said, everything I'm telling you, here's the verse. Here's the verse that I'm simply a spokesman. Honestly, my opinion does not matter. It does. It makes no difference. Who cares what Mark thinks? Nobody. What matters is here's what the Lord says. And so I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you God's word. Now you can choose to say you don't believe God's word or you're going to reject God's word. But God's word says that uh, that it's evil to kill people. It's evil to murder. And so you go and murder. I can say that's an evil thing that happened. That's demonic and evil. But here's why. The Bible says thou shalt not murder. So it's kind of laid out there. But, yeah, I mean, that would be the way I'd say, Greg, it's always, always, you know, couch it in Scripture would be the answer to that. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about this as the days and weeks go on. Yes. So. All right. Let's get back into our articles. This is uh, One World Economy News. This is from Reuters. Banking stress puts U.S. and Europe on watch for a credit crunch. Yeah, very interesting here. Again, I hadn't thought about it from this angle, but authorities around the world are on high alert for the fallout from the recent turmoil in the banks following the collapse of the United States Silicon Valley Bank, um, a signature bank, and res- a rescue and the rescue takeover a week ago of the Credit Suisse. Uh, last week, it ended with indicators of financial market stress flashing. The euro fell against the dollar. Uh, Eurozone government bond yields sank, and the cost of insuring against bank defaults surged despite assurances from policymakers. 
In the latest effort to calm investors, the U.S. Treasury said on Friday that the Financial Stability Oversight Council agreed that the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. I don't trust them at all. Sorry. But anyway, that's what they said. They have to try to keep people calm. What's unclear for us is how much of these banking stresses are leading to a widespread credit crunch. All right. Interesting. The credit crunch, uh, a new cereal being offered at the Fed. That was the joke for the day. Let me get back. The credit crunch. <laughs> Sorry. Would then slow I was down. doing no, something technical the with the video producer. No, those are last we can't hear. Uh, and, and probably we can't hear them because, Mark, that wasn't funny. That credit crunch would then slow down the economy. Uh, Captain this credit is something, crunch. <laughs> it's Captain Credit Crunch. <laughs> this is something that we're monitoring very, very closely. Minneapolis Fed President Neil uh, Kashkari said Sunday on Face the Nation. Here's the bottom line. What they're saying is, Greg, is that because of the concern about the world financial markets, it's going to be hard to get credit. It's going to be hard. There's going to be a credit crunch. So, in other words, people aren't going to give you credit. You try to go buy that car. Uh, higher uh, rates, maybe not give it to you because there's, are you really going to be good for it? You try to buy that house. So, buying vehicles, buying houses, using your credit cards is going to get tougher under the current dollar-based economy is the bottom line. So, what would fix all that? A digital-based dollar economy. So, they're not saying that here, but the reality is... Everything is screaming and pointing toward us moving toward that because it's the only guarantee they can have as much as a guarantee is. So just seeing the fact that you understand, but yeah, the, you may not be able to get the money may go bad, but I hadn't thought about it in the sense of borrowing. But if money's not trustworthy, you're not going to be able to borrow because what if they let you borrow what you can't give back? So the credit crunch is a real concern and that's going to be interesting. A lot of people, most people borrow money to buy their car, borrow money to buy their house, borrow money to whatever. And if that becomes more difficult, that means less people can do that. And what's that going to mean as far as the government uh, takeover and all these things? It's very interesting, but keep your eye on that as well. Yeah. You know, it's uh, really since 2019, 2020, especially when COVID hit, you know, the old adage has really come home to roost. And that is crisis brings or breeds control. It does. And, and that's and that's exactly what we're seeing. And that's what that's the excuse that's being used. Yeah. But we can see that a lot of these crises are man-made, yeah. and they're not naturally occurring. Right. They're man-made, but they, they come with the real consequences. They sure and that's do. the problem. That's why I remember, again, you, you, these, they always say, you know, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Yes. And they're going to use it. <laughs> the government's going to use it for their benefit. So, again, uh, you know, look, for believers, we need to be as much as possible operating off of, um, you know, cash the best we can rather than credit anyway. But I know that, like, for example, for a house that's literally almost impossible for most people, maybe for cars and all, if you save up, that can work. Um, but we do need to be getting away from owing debt as believers and getting out of debt. That, that's what I would encourage our listeners to do. I say, that's easy you know, for you to say, but I've got this multi-thousand, tens of thousands on my whatever. Just start working toward it. Make a plan to cut that down a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Get out of debt because, again, it, it, you're going to be in better shape if everything does kind of fall apart for those who don't owe anything. Yeah. And like what the Bible says, the borrower will become servant Absolutely. to the lender. Absolutely. Man, is there truth in that. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Here's some growing anti-Semitism, otherwise known as Jew hate. This is a story about a Jew, actually. This is from CBS News. Patriots owner Robert Kraft, he is Jewish, uh, is speaking on anti-Semitism in America. He says it shouldn't happen here. Yes. Pastor Mark, maybe you can tell Robert Kraft why it's happening. Yes, and he's coming up with a crafty plan. Like many Jews growing up in America, New England Patriots (laughs) owner Robert Kraft remembers the first time he faced anti-Semitism. It was in high school. There was a kid who made a comment. It was laced with expletives and dirty Jew at the end, he recalled. It became very close to being a physical fight, uh, and they were both held back. But he said, you know what? I, w- I wound up making a, f- a friend of that guy. And he says, you can make friends of your enemies by dialogue and education. So that's his goal. He believes because the anti-Semitism, he wants to try to do th- some things to make it not be that way. According to the Anti-Defamation League, 2022 saw the most anti-Semitic incidents ever recorded in the U.S. That's pretty big, Greg. That is huge. Ever. And while Jews make up less than 2.5% of the population, there are victims of more than half of all religious-based hate crimes. Think about that. That's huge. Kraft said he's never um, seen this level of anti-Semitism in the U.S. before. He's afraid for his country. He's responding by investing $25 million in the Stand Up to Jewish Hate campaign. Uh, public service ads ask all Americans to say no to anti-Semitism and show how people can do their part to combat hate. Now, Again, the idea behind this, especially from the worldly's view standpoint, Greg, it's a good idea. I get it. Uh, put information out there, but it won't work. 
And here's why this won't work. Uh, you know, I, I hate that he's wasting $25 million, but I think that he probably is. Because there's two things going on here. You can't solve spiritual problems with physical money. You just can't do it. This is a spiritual problem. First of all, man in general uh, is born um, um, a sinner. And so we're born with, with hate in us and all these different things that have to be worked out by being born again in Christ or this kind of thing. Um, just saying no doesn't solve it. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't, you can say no, but your flesh, your, your person, who you are is going to be stronger than what you're saying with your mouth. If you don't have the power to do something about it. And number two, the Bible says there's a spiritual battle coming from Satan and the demonic realm upon the world, encouraging the world to hate Jews. So you've got a spiritual aspect of the demonic realm encouraging people to hate the Jews because God loves them. So Satan hates everything God loves. So the Bible tells us Satan is fighting against the Jewish people to get people to hate them and try to destroy them. That's why they're always being picked on. It's not going to be solved by throwing a lot of money at it and saying, let's just be nice to them. Don't be mean. No, this is spiritual. And the only cure is by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, through a changed heart and coming to Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's going to do it. So it makes me sad. I mean, to see what's happening here is really, uh, uh, you know, it's an attack against God, really, because it's an attack against God's people, chosen people. However... It's sad for me to see, uh, you know, I know he's thinking with the, with what he has to think with, the, the unsaved mind that he currently has. Uh, I don't think he's a believer. Yeah. Um, but either way, uh, y- y- it can't be solved, Greg, by physical means. The only answer to anti-Semitism or any other type of hate, if you will, is spiritual by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it's going to be very frustrating for him and a big waste of money. And we know this brand of hate is especially near and dear to the uh, black heart of Satan. Yeah. Uh, which is why we're going to continue to see this hate on the increase because he's yeah. going to help. He's going to help drive that. hate. Well, in Matthew 24, it says in yeah. the last days, everybody will turn against them. We yeah. see in Zechariah, the whole world will turn against the Jews. And again, we know that when the Antichrist comes on the scene after three and a half years of ruling out of Europe, Greg, he's going to try to wipe out the Jews completely as a people group. He's going to yeah. do the same things that Hitler tried to do. He's going to literally try to kill every single Jew on the planet, the Bible says. So you're going to see the hatred toward Jews increasing no matter how much money robert Kraft or anybody else throws that i'm not again his intention's good but it's going to have zero effect and and so it's really going to be a waste of money and it's again it's heartbreaking but that's what we're facing when it comes to the spiritual battle yeah absolutely that's pastor mark kirk who's helping us make sense of the signs of the times it's our weekly take on bible prophecy in the world's news on WIAMLP knoxville a weekly broadcast that we have tagged as podcast number 257 this week, available through all of your popular podcast outlets. And now, you've got mail. We have a truckload of mail this week, Pastor Mark. Our first question comes from Paul, who enjoys signs of the times uh, south of us in Seymour, Tennessee. He says, we as Christians celebrate the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Why not his ascension, like Ascension Day? The ascension of Jesus is a mighty, powerful moment in human history and our salvation story. I would think this is cause for great celebration. It sets the stage from which we await his return. Yeah, no, again, I and, and you know, Paul, I, I see no problem with that. There's nothing that forbids anybody from celebrating the ascension of the Lord. Um, it's not something that, you know, why is it different from, for example, Palm Sunday and, and the Resurrection Day or Easter, if you will. There is a difference. Um, Palm Sunday was, of course, when the Lord came in declaring himself to be the king of the Jews. Prophecy the fulfilled. Of the world. Yeah, and prophecy fulfilled um, to the day. Uh, the resurrection, again, um, obviously, that's the salvation of man. Uh, really, the salvation was the cross through the blood, and then the victory over death was the resurrection. So the reason the church celebrates those is they are such major, eternal mile markers. Okay, Jesus declared king. The promised Messiah to the Jews on the very day God predicted in Daniel chapter 9. And then, of course, his death on the cross, um, his blood washing our sins away, his resurrection. Now, death being defeated. So you have sin defeated and then death defeated at the resurrection. It's complete. We're now forgiven and we live forever as well. So that's really the main focus of the celebration. The fact that the Lord ascended uh, back to heaven, of course, that's extremely exciting. That's just part of the story. We knew that he would. He came down. He went back up. And so I see nothing wrong with um 
if you want to celebrate that, celebrating it. But I don't think it'll ever be something the church will celebrate as an official day, uh, just because it doesn't have the impact of the others. However, there's nothing wrong. So I, I would say, if you want to celebrate that day, then celebrate that day that the Lord ascended. Uh, but I would celebrate more that my sins are forgiven and that I'm you know, going to rise from the dead and live forever with him as well. Amen. All right, Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Janelle, who enjoys our program in Maryville, uh, just south of us as well. Uh, she has a question about rapture anxiety. She says, what should we say to our kids that are just getting married and starting families when they worry about the rapture and if they will get to raise their kids. Yeah, again, I think that we probably, you know, everybody young that has any desire to get married and have kids uh, thinks of this. I know that when I was uh, younger and, and uh, even before getting married and having my kids, these things popped in my mind. I'm like, wow, am I going to have a chance? I guess we think, am I going to have a chance to live what I see as a normal life here on earth uh, before I go to heaven? There's a couple of things I would say. Uh, first of all, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said this, we, the scripture says we're to occupy until he comes. And what that means is we're to live normal life until the Lord comes back to get us in the rapture or until we die in these bodies. So I would say, don't be concerned about the rapture. Just be watching for it. I would tell my kids, look, just be watching for the rapture. Be ready, but don't be concerned about it. There's a difference in watching for it and being concerned about it. If we're to occupy till he comes, that means do your normal life. Get married, have kids, get a job, serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and let God, you know, he'll control the timing of what's going to happen. You may get a chance to raise your kids and have a normal family during that time. So I think that's the point we have to focus on is occupy. We, we, we act as though, live as though the Lord could come back at any moment, but we plan as though he won't be back for a hundred years. That would be the counsel I would give. And the second thing I would say, and this one's harder to grasp, Greg, it gets easier the older I get, but harder to grasp when you're younger. It's going to be way better if the rapture happens. See, in our mind, we think, wow, I want to know what it's like to be married, or I want to have kids, and I want to see my kids grow. And now, of course, I've got grandkids now, and it's just fantastic. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have gotten to experience that had I already died or if the rapture had taken place. But what God says is everything we have down here on this earth is a shadow of the things to come. And that's funny because just yesterday I was teaching my, my granddaughter, Ellie, about what a shadow was. We were walking. The sun was behind us. I said, I was teaching her new things. Mm. There's your shadow. This is how it works. That's, that's not really you, but that's a reflect. It's a shadow of you right here and all that. And she was, you see, she's kind of thinking and looking and whatever and trying to process all this. That's the same thing. Maybe we encourage our kids with and our families is look, the marriage, the kids, all this stuff down here is only a shadow of the real thing. And if you can grasp, that it's only a shadow. Here's my question. I, I don't, I, I had no desire to jump down that concrete and kiss it and hug it. Zero desire. But there was her shadow. I would much rather grab her yeah. and kiss her and hug her. And so the real is way better than the shadow. And what God tells us is families down here, kids down here, life down here, lake, motorcycles, golfing, anything you like to do, Disney World, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It is a shadow. Yeah. And 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 because all we know is the shadow, we can, we think, what would I do without that shadow? What would I do? I, mean, I want to experience that shadow like everyone else did. But if we understand it's, it's just a shadow, it's going to be so much better that we can't understand it because we hadn't gotten there yet. But when we get there, we're going to say, man, this is I didn't miss anything. I didn't miss anything. I'm like, this is fantastic, greater than I ever could imagine. And we're going to be there in the kingdom with our kids and with those we love, et cetera. Now, another thing that I encouraged recently, our young people here, you know, if you're young and you're thinking, what if the rapture happens now? I didn't really get to live a life here on the earth. The Bible says, here's, here's the sequence of events. The rapture takes place. We will go to be with the Lord for seven years in heaven while he's doing his last final seven prophetic years promised to the nation of Israel. We will be having the wedding supper of the Lamb while God will be opening the seals, blowing the trumpets and the bowls, and all things are happening to uh, the Jews' fulfilled promise, and then all the judgments on those who reject Christ, and the dealing with the Antichrist and Satan and all that, those final seven years. But then when those seven years are over, we all come back down to the earth to live here another 1,000 years. Because God promised Jesus he would give him the, the nations of the earth. He is The government would be upon his shoulder, Isaiah 9, 6. So, you're going to come back to the earth no matter how quickly you go or how young you are, and you're going to live on this earth without any sin, without any interruption, without any uh, of the political frustrations and all the things we have to deal with. 
and just live here for a thousand years. So you, you still will get to enjoy this earth for a thousand years, regardless of when the rapture takes place and just get the fullness of what the earth, you know, had to do. Now, obviously it will be different as far as our spouses and our kids. They'll all be grown and adults suddenly will all be there with the Lord in our new bodies. But again, remember, it's only a shadow and it's going to be so much better when the real thing comes along. So I would just encourage you in that occupy until I come live normal life until it happens. Don't be concerned about it. Be watching for it. And secondly, realize this shadow is going to pass one day, and the real thing is way, way, way better. Yeah. And another thing, too, uh, Janelle, uh, the Bible tells us that eye has not seen nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Jesus. Amen. So basically that means anything that your kids or you can imagine would be just the greatest thing ever on earth is literally pales. In comparison, you can't even we can't even imagine, the Bible says, what God has in store for us. So we have a lot to look forward to, even if we don't get to those things on earth that we think we would be looking for. It's going to be so much better. We just can't understand it yet. Nope, not yet. All right. Pastor Mark Ankana, who is also a miracle, wants to know where was Jesus during the three days after the crucifixion and his resurrection? Yeah. Was he in paradise as stated in Luke twenty three forty three to the believing thief on the cross? Indeed. Yeah. I mean, of course, everything the Lord said on Canaz, it was true. And he told the thief on the cross today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, again, if you didn't know the rest of scripture, you might say, well, maybe he and the, the, the man on the cross went to heaven. No, no, no. Jesus didn't go to heaven until after he resurrected, and then 40 days after that. So it was going to be, what, 43 days until the Lord uh, actually went back, or either 40, inclusive three, I have to, uh, to double-check that. But either way, it's going to be quite some time before the Lord went, went back. We talked about ascension that Paul asked him to do until that took place. Yeah. So what happened here? Well, Jesus said, I will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. So he told us where he went. He went to the heart of the earth. The heart is the center. So he went to the center of the earth and was there three days and three nights. He said, why in the world did he go there? Because we see in Luke 16, there's a place there that was a supernatural holding tank for believers until Jesus died on the cross. A lot of people don't realize it, but until Jesus died on the cross, nobody went to heaven. Nobody. You couldn't go to heaven until the door was opened. Jesus was the door, and it came by his blood. That's why it said that Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, no one has seen the Father. He's talking about among mankind. The angels have. He's speaking to mankind. He says, no one has seen the Father but the Son. Why? There were no believers in heaven yet. So where was David, Abraham, Isaac, uh, all these guys, where were they? They were in the center of the earth in a supernatural paradise. Now, we think about the center of the earth. That doesn't sound like a paradise to me. That seems dark <laughs> no. and scary, yes. right? No, but he's God. And God can do what he wants. God has apparently created, and apparently he did, Scripture says, a supernatural paradise in the center of the earth. And that's where he went, and the man who gave his life to him went with him to meet up with David and Abraham and all the believers that died before that. Then it tells us in Hebrews that while he was there, he, he, he revealed himself. He preached, it says, to those in that prison. He preached the gospel. He told them, I'm the Messiah you were waiting on. I'm the promised seed. They didn't know who he was by name, but they believed in the promise of the Messiah, right? The, the scriptures prophesied it. So he said, I'm the one you believed in. Here I am, Jesus, your Messiah, your king. He was there three days with them and three nights. And then they all came up, and it says in Ephesians chapter 4, he led captivity captive. That means he took those that were captive in this paradise, because they couldn't go to heaven yet. He led them out of there. They came back into the earth, and they were there with him in spirit for those 40 days, Greg, that he was wandering around, you know, ministering in different areas and meeting the disciples in different areas. Again, that kind of explains, too, why, you know, when Jesus resurrected, we see that it says some of those who had died in Christ got up. Uh, you know, after he resurrected and went into Jerusalem, you know, we don't know what they did. There, there obviously weren't very many of them, or, or there'd be even secular records of that. But it would appear that those who had died in the last day or two and their bodies were still able to, you know, function, they hadn't decayed. For whatever reason, when they came back up from paradise, the Lord allowed them to temporarily enter their bodies, do some, maybe something for him. Then they probably went back and laid back down and they didn't die again because they were already dead. They just left that body and were there in spirit again. And then we'll get our new bodies at some point down the road, probably at the rapture of the church is what it appears. Uh, but there, and then, but then at that point, uh, they were with the Lord the whole time, although unseeable. And then when the Lord ascended back, they ascended with the Lord back up into heaven, going through him, the door into heaven. And now the Bible says, whenever believers die, we go straight to heaven to be with the Lord. So that's kind of where he was, heart of the earth, back on the earth 40 days, all the believers, priority of the cross, now they're in heaven. Now when we die, we go automatically to heaven. No more holding tank, except 
for those that are being that are unbelievers being held for the day of judgment they're down in Hades being held there the Bible says until the day of judgment okay Pastor Mark Daniel <laughs> is up next uh, enjoying us out in Beaumont California he says could the saints that resurrected and appeared on the earth with Je- with Jesus have resurrected because they are now the body of Christ and as Christ resurrected for the dead they too are brought with him not saying that they got their glorified bodies, but just wondering if there's any scripture to back this up. Yeah, I would say no and yes. And what I mean is, is they, they, they are yes and no, or part and part. However, I'll say this. Here's what happened. They, they obviously didn't have their new bodies yet, because the new bodies won't be given until the, the, the next resurrection, the first resurrection was Christ and all that. We'll get our new bodies. It would appear again at the rapture of the church. That's a whole other study. So they didn't have their new bodies yet, but for whatever the reason, like we just said in the last question, uh, there, Daniel, um, God allowed them to go back in their earthly bodies. If they weren't decayed, they probably had died in the last day or so. And so God allowed them to go back in their body. We don't know exactly the reason, but it was, yes, it was because they did come up with the Lord as he led captivity captive from this supernatural paradise that was in the heart of the earth where the Lord was three days and three nights. And as he came back up, they were allowed to enter their bodies. They did uh, walk around, but it wasn't their new glorified body as of yet. So they would have had to probably go lay back down in the tomb, which just seemed kind of weird. Leave their body there and um, and head back up. And you see, it wasn't, we know it wasn't the glorified bodies, because had it been the glorified bodies, all the believers would have showed up. They'd all gotten their bodies that came back up and been walking around. Um, you know, but, but, you know, the hit song in heaven right now is I ain't got nobody, nobody. And but so, but at some point we will have that body. Uh, yes. And, but they didn't then. And so again, I know you're saying they obviously didn't have their glorified bodies, but I think what you're saying is exactly what we just discussed. They did get to enter their earthly bodies because they had not yet decayed. They had just so recently died. We don't know the reason God allowed that, but they did it. Those that didn't have a body to enter into just were there with the Lord for those 40 days. You couldn't see them. And now they all went back to heaven, and that's where we go when we die. Okay. All right, Pastor Mark, our last question is a two-parter, actually, from Stacy. She says that she's been listening to your Come to the Table series on Genesis and really enjoying it. And uh, I guess we answered one of her questions last week, and so she wants to ask another question. Great. Uh, because she uh, hears lots of chatter about climate change, chemtrails, and the atmosphere being manipulated by man, and NASA being a very expensive hoax. We've been fed so many lies for so many years that researching the truth is very important to her. And then she says the Bible has reference to both being in the earth and on the earth. Yeah. What is the significance of its use? Yeah, again, and then we'll get to the second one. Yeah, yeah. First of all, let me just say this. You know, I don't know that anybody can say emphatically um, all these different things you brought up. A lot of these things that you brought up here are really hard to prove either way. Uh, you know, you'll find people, and we talk about conspiracy theorists and conspiracy theories, and then you talk about things that really are real. Uh, they're not conspiracy theories at all. They're actual conspiracies, and and it's interesting. Uh, the Bible does say in Psalm two. That in the last days, the leaders of the world's governments will conspire together to deceive the world and to take it over. So it's funny. The Bible actually says in the last days, world leaders will be working on conspiracies together. Okay. So we can't just deny every theory because the Bible says there will be real conspiracies. But as far as like the chemtrails, I I don't know enough about that to even make a comment. I've heard about it. I'm, I'm aware of it. Very aware. Don't get me wrong. But I certainly don't have any evidence that it's true. I'm not saying it's not. I don't have any evidence that it is. I'm, I just, you, know, you hear about it, and you go, well, time will tell. If it's real, it'll get revealed that it is. If not, then it's just a conspiracy theory. The atmosphere, again, a lot of the, I know a, a lot of the whole climate stuff, again, is just, is, is really, you know, um, fake. A lot of that, even the climate stuff is just not true, where they make everybody panic about the climate. And the reason I know that is scripture. The Bible says that God's going to hold all things together till the end. So it doesn't concern me about the climate issues at all because the Lord's the one controlling the planet. So that one is not really a concern to me in that way. As far as NASA, expensive hoax, you know, again, I, I, I don't have enough information to say, yes, I've seen that. I can prove one thing either way. Uh, but I can say this. The bottom line is, is that God knows what's real. Uh, we need to stick with the scripture and, and realize there will be tricks played in the last days. But there's also going to be a lot of people that come up with fanciful 
uh, conspiracy theories that aren't true as well. And all we can do is wait and see. Now, there is one thing I will say about the, you know, uh, what they call about uh, uh, cloud seeding, which is where you, uh, affecting the weather. That one now has been shown to be accurately and to be accurate and true. They, they, we do have the technology to actually uh, affect the weather to some degree. And China's really the one coming out and being very open. China's pushing it. They're, China's bragging basically right now and recently in, in their papers and all that they are able to control uh, rain or non-rain to a certain degree for certain events that they're holding because they go up and, and drop something in the clouds. And it's basic science. It, it either makes the moisture, you know, uh, uh, you know, come together, coagulate, and you have rain, or it makes it kind of dissipate or whatever. So I think there is a true science to some of the effects of what can be dropped in the sky and what it would do on the earth. Now, as far as chemtrails, I don't know. But as far as affecting the weather to some degree anyway, China's now admitting it and bragging about it. And I would say this. If China's admitting it and bragging about it, and they've got the technology, I don't think we're any dumber than China. So I would say that American technology could certainly affect the weather to some degree. That's just basic science. There's no conspiracy there. That's just science. And, and so they found a way to do it, and I think they're doing it. As far as all these others, I really just, you know, I, I don't have enough education in them that I could prove something either way. So uh, as far as the Bible having reference to both being in the earth and on the earth, there is no, there's no significance to that? Because well, no, that was our first question. Yeah, I want to, no, I do want to address that. I, 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 I'm, I'm not quite sure here what you mean, Stacy, on that. We should have gotten back with you before this. I think you're referring to people in the earth and on the earth because in the question it doesn't really say what, what both is. However, uh, or what or what you're talking about, maybe both is in the earth and on the earth. Uh, however, that question may have to do with what we just talked about with the uh, holding tank in the center of the earth. That is, there are some being held in the center of the earth right now in Hades, the unbelievers that will be judged later on. Then there are those of us on the earth that are alive right now. And when the Lord comes back, the Bible says that those on the earth and under the earth will see him. And, 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 you know, bow before him or whatever. So, uh, it's referring to that point. You say, how can people be under the earth? Well, that would be your Hades down there where the unbelievers are being held until judgment day on the earth would be us. So I, I, I think that's what you're talking about. And if it's not, you can let us know and we can answer that for you as well. But okay. yeah, there, there are people, there are those that are in the earth and those on the earth. Uh, those in the earth are only spirit and they're being held right now until judgment day. Those on the earth are us right now. Yeah. And Stacy, maybe you can reply with some scripture verses that are specifically referring to in and on or of, uh, so we can kind of look at that grammatically yes. and exegetically. Yes. Uh, and then she says here at the end, do you believe, uh, she said, just for fun, do you believe the earth is round or flat? Well, I believe the earth is round, and, and, and let me tell you why. Um, I know there's this whole thing, it's kind of surprising to me, this flatter thing that's popping up here recently. It's It's kind of like... We're kind of going in reverse rather than going forward. It's like we used to believe the earth was flat and then found that it was round and, and now it's kind of going back. Um, but actually, if you do your homework and we were talking about this right before the show, you'll see that even, you know, as, as much as, you know, a long, long time ago, people had already determined by different scientific calculations, uh, that the earth was round. But, but again, there's a couple of things I would say. And I know if there's anybody out there believing it's flat, you've got your different arguments, but I want to just touch on a couple of things, which to me makes it fall apart. Number one, According to the theory of a flat earth, Greg, um, the poles were spread out to where the entire kind of oval, kind of circle slash oval of this flat earth. It's not totally square, even in their own uh, uh, estimation, um, which kind of defeats the argument because they talk about the four corners, you know, because the Bible talks about four corners, of the earth, which is just terminology. But right, even right. even in their own model, there aren't four corners, even in their own model. It's more of an oval type shape from what I've seen and, and the, the, the little bit of study I've done on it. And they believe that there's ice that goes so far all the way around that circle on the outside of this flat earth um, that nobody can get out there. So you can never get to the end of it. So nobody can ever fall off or prove that it's the a ring there. of ice. It's yes. just too much. It's too thick, too far, too cold, et cetera, whatever. And they call it the ends of the earth. So the ends of the earth are just ice or whatever. And they try to say, well, so that's why you can't do it. Well, the problem is the and, and the Bible says that God will be bringing the last days, the Jews from the ends of the earth back to Israel. And so if you're trying to take the Bible literally by the four corners in that argument, rather than just saying that's a terminology that was used, we still use that terminology today. If you try to say, oh, we have to say literal, it means that. And I do take the Bible literally, but the Bible also makes it clear when it's a literal symbol or literal example. And I believe that's one of them. If you, if you say, well, that's why you're making that stand or one of the reasons why, then you have to believe that the Jews are out there now living in these outer, on the, ice. on the ice somewhere where nobody can get to them. They're in the outer parts of the earth. And so at some point, God's going to call them. They're all going to march back in in their Eskimo suits, work their way back in and come back into to Israel. Yeah. It just doesn't even make logical or reasonable sense when you follow their logic, you right. know. Um, and 
Another thing I would say, too, is um, it's interesting for those that have gone up in, uh, you know, rockets and circled the Earth and orbited the Earth or whatever. From up there, you can see that it's round. They take pictures. Of course, they would say, well, those are manufactured. They're fake. Well, here's the problem with that. A lot of people have gone up and watched the roundness of the Earth as they've gone around it. They've watched it. It's round. They see it. They've gone all the way around, come back around to the other side, and they've watched it take place. So if it was really flat, um, every single person, Greg, throughout um, NASA's history or even uh, it, those that have gone up now, I, I think some of them Russia as well. Yeah, NASA. and others, yeah. yeah. They all would have to somehow get together and make a pact. And that pact and agreement would have to say this, look. We're about to go up, and all of you are going to find out something that you're going to be shocked about. <laughs> so we want to tell you before we do this. Yes. What, 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 is, what is it? Okay, the earth is really flat. So you have to sign this pact. You have to agree. You can never tell anyone. Because if this leaks out that somebody that went up there saw that it's flat, then it's going to kind of blow our cover. So here's the thing. You can do it. If you swear upon death, you'll never say anything. Well, first of all, that sounds absurd on the surface. But even if you can get everybody to agree to agree to that, well, then the problem you have is, is how many people can really keep a secret till the day they die? I mean, you would have some deathbed confessions. Okay, I've got to tell the truth. It's really flat. I saw it. So the fact that so many people have gone up, and that's easy to prove that they went up. We know that's not a hoax. They went up. We watched the rockets go up. We saw them get in it. We know they went up. They come back. They land in the water. They saw the roundness of the earth. They saw the fact that they know they went around it. They would all have to agree to lie and never tell the truth in all countries that have ever gone up. And all peoples and all companies, everything, they would have to do that. And so I think that's just out of the realm of, of reasonability and possibility that that thing could, that something like that could even happen. So when you just, when you reason it out and think about it, it just doesn't make, you know, you can't even make logical sense out of it in a reasoning point with it. I I think that makes it pretty much impossible. But I think that there's a lot of different reasons that people do this, but I wouldn't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked and all this stuff that's going to keep you busy about, you know, whether the earth's flat or not earth, this kind of thing. Um, you know, one last p- point I would make before we move on. The Bible says that God sits above the circle of the earth. Now, the flat earth person will say, uh-huh, but what that means is there's like a dome. And there's this dome on the earth, kind of like a little glass dome you put down it's, over your it's cake. It's the Truman Show. Remember yeah, that yeah, movie? Yes, yes, it's a dome like <laughs> down on your cake. But here's the key. Notice the word the Holy Spirit chose. It's very specific. If you go back and look at that verse, he didn't say the Lord sits above the dome on the earth, which is what they're saying. That's their theory. Yeah. It's just a dome that's on this flat earth. No, he said uh, the Lord sits above the circle of the earth, showing that the earth itself is round. He's not talking about something on the earth. He's talking about something that the earth itself, he sits above the dome of the earth so to me scripture makes it clear that it's it's round uh to me human nature uh, the fact that so many have gone up there's no way people could keep that secret and be lying about it this long uh so i think it pretty much uh just leaves that kind of kind of you know that that whole theory flat <laughs> oh my okay that that deserved a room shot right. pastor sorry let's get Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, we do appreciate your questions. I can at least though. make you giggle. Yes, you can. Okay. That That's easy. I'm your Ed McMahon. You are. All right. Are. Uh, Fox News is telling us that weather officials are saying that the Mississippi tornado is uh, has been was upgraded to E4. Yeah. Uh, tore through a deadly 59-mile path of destruction. Our church is actually heading there this weekend yeah. to help out with the relief help. efforts. Yeah. yeah, this is, Greg, nothing like this has happened before. This Romans 8, uh, 22 says, you know, in the last days, it talks about that the earth is going to be groaning for the return of the Lord. You're going to see more of these like record-breaking type uh, catastrophic Unfortunately. events. Yes, because the earth is going to be groaning. So a lot of people try to say, oh, that proves something to do with climate change. No, it has to do with what God said. The earth will be groaning in the last days for the return of the Lord, for God to come back and restore it back to health after the fall. But let's read some of this. As crews in Mississippi continue to dig through decimated neighborhoods in the aftermath of a deadly tornado, weather officials released preliminary information on the powerful storm early Sunday. The National Weather Service in Jackson said the tornado that devastated the Mississippi Delta town of Rolling Fork Friday night was given an EF4, I think maybe EF5, maybe the highest rating, Greg, I'm not sure, um, which has top gusts of 166 to 200 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. 
The tornado had ripped a 59-mile path of destruction beginning in northern Issaquena. I hope I said that right. Issaquena County um, before ending in northern Holmes County. According to the, the Weather Service, the twister lasted over an hour and had a maximum path width of three quarters of a mile. Good grief. Think about that. 59 miles that's over huge. Yeah, over an hour and had three. I mean, that's just that's massive. At least 25 people were killed. I think, praise the Lord, it wasn't more than that. To go 59 miles and be that wide, but tw- that's horrible. It's horrible what happened, but it could have been much worse. At least 25 were killed and dozens of others were injured in Mississippi. One man was killed after his trailer home flipped several times. Um, in Alabama. So just tragic again. Our heart goes out to all those that were affected. And, and, and church, remember to be praying for those uh, in the tornado's aftermath. Remember to be praying for those in Nashville. As we talk about these stories, they're more than just news stories. These are people's lives, husbands, wives, children, um, you know, fortunes, uh, inheritance, their life. I mean, it's everything. So pray for them that God has mercy on them. This is, is, is horrific. But we look at it from now a, a, a biblical viewpoint. And we see, again, um, uh, reasons, you know, the Bible's, this kind of stuff is going to be getting worse and worse. I think you're going to see some some more abnormal, massive storms and events and earthquakes because the Bible says the earth is groaning. So be prepared. Yeah. Here's another story, Pastor Mark, that just kind of piggies back on the getting worse and worse. This is from Newsmax. The United Nations is now saying that many millions are dying without clean water or sanitation. Again, Matthew 24 talks about, you know, uh, famine and and all these things in the last days. Uh, the report finds that many millions of the world's 7.78 billion people don't have enough clean water or sanitation infrastructure that helps keep humans healthy uh, by taking the waste away from their homes. Report authors pointed out that the lack of access to basic water-related service uh, kills more people globally than floods, droughts, or other disasters. Of course, it also leads to, uh, again, famine. Uh, even in the age of global warming, it uh, can lead to all these other problems, I should say. Uh, uh, you know, again, not so much famine, maybe in this, if there's water, but just again, just the, the, the sickness and illness, pestilence. Um, at least, uh, again, um, no, I'm sorry, part of my article here uh, I went across to another article, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. The bottom line is, again, these are the things, kind of things we're going to be seeing, Greg, in the last days. We shouldn't be shocked, but we need to be in prayer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, our last article of the day is regarding the church. Yeah. And this is from Fox News. Uh, the title of the article says Putin's attack on Ukraine's Christians deserves this punishment. Now, this is interesting, Greg, because these are not the reports coming out of Ukraine. Okay. Uh, let me read yeah. what they said. They said on March 17th, the International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Russian President Putin for war crimes. And they're saying that he's going in and systematically torturing and wiping out Christians and children and all these things. Look, it, it may be happening. I don't know. He say disproportionately sought out evangelical Christians. Here's the problem. Um, Putin historically has protected the church. It's not been the church he's had an issue with. As a matter of fact, even in, in, in Russia, I don't think he's, he's a true believer, but even in Russia, he's been kind of a protecting no. the church because of Orthodox. He grew up Orthodox. So he's, he's not been so much a, a Christian persecutor, as, as many say. As a matter of fact, uh, what they're saying is, is that actually um, the Ukrainians are, are persecuting uh, and Zelensky, they said, is persecuting Christians worse than anybody. He's closing down churches. He's arresting people. Um, and you're not hearing this on Fox, but on some of the news coming out of Europe, they're saying that Zelensky's doing this stuff. So to me, I don't know what's going on here. Sometimes you don't know what to believe when you yeah, see these articles. Yeah. But from the articles and the research I've done, it's Zelensky that's persecuting the Christians and, and pretty much Putin staying neutral. Now, if that's the case, and this is not really an accurate report, why would that be? Greg, again, we're now finding out it would appear that Ukraine has a lot of other uses for worldwide things. They've been funneling money through it. They've been organizing uh, the Western world system. There's a lot of things going on in Ukraine that we're just starting to find out. So I, I wouldn't be surprised long term to find a lot of reasons we're putting so many resources into Ukraine. They've got to attack Putin because he's trying to form a different world order. And I'm not taking that for Russia and Putin. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying it is to our advantage in PSYOPs. To maybe give some wrong pictures about things. He's certainly not a good guy. There's certainly bad things going on. Uh, but Zelensky has turned out and appears to be not such a good guy either. And some of that news is starting to leak out now. And so we don't really know what's going on there. But the reality is God knows. And we need to be praying for the people of Ukraine. And again, for all those that are being affected by this war. You know, God loves them all. God loves the Russians. He loves the Ukrainians. He loves everyone. And so we need to be praying for them. And God loves you as well. And so, um, you know... It's one of these things, again, as believers, we just need to kind of keep our eyes open and watch, you know, signs of the times. Don't just believe everything you read, uh, but let's just kind of wait and see how this pans out. I think there's a lot more going on than what we really know, Greg. Yeah.
That's true. Yeah. All right, Pastor Mark, uh, thanks for that. And folks, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget the waymedia.net, the Signs of the Times section, is where you can watch past episodes. You can learn how to subscribe to our podcast, ask your questions, read the frequently asked questions, and a lot more at the waymedia.net besides this show uh, that we offer available to you 24-7. Uh, next week, we will be talking about Holy Week as we're, uh, we'll be coming upon Resurrection Sunday, otherwise known as Easter for some people, but it's the the main holiday for Christians, and we will dive into that, and uh, you can understand after we get done with that show why we have hope, and our hope is found in Jesus Christ. We love you guys, and we'll see you back here next Friday for another edition of Signs of the Times right here on WIAM.